Well, they're two of the most common words heard in every household. In fact, if you're a parent here this morning, I would bet that if we were to take a survey, we could figure out what these two words are very quickly. Two words that I have heard often as a parent over the last 17 years. Do you have any guesses what these two words are? I'm hungry. I've heard those words already a few times this weekend. If, if I had a nickel for every time I had heard those two words, I would be a very rich man today. Our kids hunger. It's just part of our natural inborn tendency, right? We are hungry. And if you're a parent, you know that, right? Whether your kid is 18 minutes old or 18 months old or 18 years old, we have a hunger that needs to be satisfied. We're, we're hungry people. Now, for you parents here this morning, I have some good news for you, okay? It gets easier as your kids get older, all right? When, when they're little kids, you know, 18 months old, and they're crying, and they need something to eat, like, it, it gets easier, okay? My kids are seven, 17, 16. I'll tell you what, this last year has been awesome, because like Sunday comes along and we, we do church and then my kids go out to eat with their friends and they just take care of themselves. And like my wife and I, we got a couple hours of quiet at home to just enjoy together. It, it's just a beautiful thing. So, so parents of young kids this morning, it will get easier. Your kids move from this place of dependence to a greater place of independence when it comes to satisfying their hunger. But with that, I have to give you a little bit of word of warning here, Okay. As your kids grow in independence, you need to be careful. You don't want to end up like, like this guy I read about earlier this year in the Washington Post, a man named Keith Stonehouse, okay? Mr. Stonehouse one evening was hanging out at home, and all of a sudden he heard his doorbell ring. And he went down to his front door, and he opened the door, and here was a Grubhub delivery guy with a bag of Wendy's fast food that he was delivering to Mr. Stonehouse, well, Mr. Stonehouse was like, hey, I, I didn't order any food. And the, the Grubhub, Grubhub delivery guy's like, well, yes, you did. I mean, it, it was purchased through your app, and it's already bought and paid for. And so here's your food. And Mr. Stonehouse is like, all right, well, this is weird. And so he grabs the Wendy's, and he walks up to his kitchen. And before he can even put the food down on the counter, the doorbell rings again. And so he walks back downstairs, opens his door. Here's another Grubhub delivery guy. And this guy's got a big bag full of Taco Bell. And Mr. Stonehouse is like, what in the world is going on? And, and Taco Bell guy's like, hey, you know, or the grub up guy, hey, here's your Taco Bell. You ordered it. It's all paid for, you know. And Mr. Stonehouse is like, okay, this is weird. Somebody's got to be playing a prank on me. Well, he goes back upstairs, and sure enough, before he can even put the food down again, the doorbell rings. And he goes back downstairs, opens the door. It's another Grubhub delivery guy. And this guy's got a big bag of McDonald's. And, and, and Mr. Stonehouse is like, what in the world is happening? And again, all bought and paid for. This is your food. No mistake. We know, you know, came to the right house. Well, Mr. Stonehouse starts thinking to himself. He says, all right, I got to go check on my son. His six-year-old son, Mason, he finds him upstairs in his bedroom under his covers with Mr. Stonehouse's cell phone. And Mason had opened up his dad's Grubhub app and had ordered over $1,000 worth of food. Mr. Stonehouse says to Mason, Mason, what are you doing? And Mason says, I'm hungry. <laughs> and then Mason says to his dad, Dad, did the pizza come yet? 
So Mr. Stonehouse looks at the app. His son had ordered $490 worth of pizza that hadn't even come yet. Well, he was able to cancel that order, but before, I mean, before the whole night was over, he was charged over $1,000 to his Grubhub account because his son Mason was hungry, right? So again, parents, that, that independence is a good thing, but you got to be careful with it, all right? But it is our nature as human beings to hunger. And as we grow up, what we discover are that there are other hungers, besides the rumbling in our bellies that we long to fill. We, we discover that there are other kinds of hungers that we, that we want to satisfy. Hungers for happiness and friendship and intimacy and, and meaning and purpose in life. And, and so we pursue ways of satisfying these hungers, just like we do our, our physical hungers. We, we long for happiness. And so from the time we're little kids, we, we seek out toys thinking that if we can just get the latest toy, you know, the latest toy is going to satisfy my longings. And that doesn't change a whole lot when we become adult, when we become adults, does it? We continue to pursue the latest toy. And, and we have longings for friendship, right? And so from the time we're little kids, we, we want to join the right club and we want to make sure we're sitting at the right lunch table and we're on the right sports team, and, right? Because we want to belong, we want to have friendship. And then we have these longings for intimacy in our lives. And so, so our friendships develop with, with people of the opposite sex, right? And we want the right boyfriend or the right girlfriend. And, and ultimately, we look for the right spouse, the right husband, the right wife, because we're trying to satisfy these longings for intimacy. And, and then we have these longings for meaning and purpose in our lives. Like, we want our lives to matter, right? And so we go to school, and we pursue education, and we pursue careers, and we try to grow our bank accounts, and we, we try to excel in our hobbies, right? All seeking meaning and purpose in our lives. But the thing is, we quickly discover that all of these things that we are longing after, that we're seeking after, that these hungers that we have within us, we quickly discover they're not so easily satisfied, are they? And we go from one thing to the next looking to fill these longings, but what we're doing, we're trying to fill longings that are ultimately spiritual longings. Spiritual longings of the heart that cannot be satisfied by the stuff of this world. Even good things like friendships and jobs. And we have these spiritual hungers in our souls. But the good news for us this morning is that Jesus and the message of the gospel offers us a promise of hope. A promise of hope. And we find this promise today as we continue our study in the Sermon on the Mount in the opening words of the Sermon on the Mount, in Jesus' Beatitudes, remember these blessings, these blessed attitudes, the attitudes that followers of Jesus should be, right? These are the Beatitudes. These are the characteristics in our lives produced by the Holy Spirit when we submit ourselves to Him. We've been looking at these Beatitudes, and here today as we come to the fourth Beatitude, we discover this incredible promise of hope that Jesus says will fill those spiritual longings in our souls. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open to Matthew chapter 5 this morning. If you don't have your Bibles, you can read along on the screens behind me. Let me, let me read for us Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. We're at the fourth beatitude this morning. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain. He went and sat down, and his disciples came to him. 
And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just pray now that as we study your word, as we look at this fourth beatitude, this incredible promise of satisfaction for all who hunger and thirst for righteousness, we pray that you would impress the truths of this passage into our hearts, into our souls, that we might come to know you more as a result of this teaching today. And so I pray that you would help me to communicate it clearly and faithfully and that your spirit would open our eyes and our hearts and humble us before your word and that you would illuminate your truth so that it might have a transformative impact in our lives today. We pray this in the great name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied. What a great promise that is. This morning, I want us to consider three truths about this great promise from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The, the three truths that I want us to look at are these. Number one, the hunger and thirst of Jesus' people. The hunger and thirst of Jesus' people is first and foremost a basic hunger and thirst. By, by describing this as a basic hunger and thirst, what I'm referring to is the fact that, that this hunger that all of us has this hunger, this spiritual longing that we all possess, this is a common reality to all people. And so this isn't just a reality for people who go to church on Sunday mornings, but every single person who's ever been born throughout the history of the world has within them a basic spiritual hunger. It's a hunger that God has implanted in our souls. And in fact, the, the wisest man who ever lived, King Solomon, King Solomon describes this hunger like this in Ecclesiastes 3.11. He says that God has set eternity in the hearts of men. And what that means is that every single person in this room, every single person who has ever existed has been inborn with a desire to know their creator and to have a relationship with their creator. We were born, friends, with a God-shaped hole in our hearts that can only be filled by him, living and walking in a relationship with him. And if we don't have that relationship, we'll go through life hungering and thirsting for satisfaction. The early church father, Augustine, he put it like this. He says, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. See, friends, we were made to know God. We were made to have a relationship with God. We were made to walk with God. And if we do not have that relationship, if he hasn't filled and satisfied this basic hunger that we all have, we will search the world looking for anything that can satisfy. This isn't common to people today. This has been the reality of human beings for millennia. In fact, the prophet Jeremiah, God speaking to his people, the Israelites, through the prophet Jeremiah, God told the Israelites, I've got two things against you. God says, number one, you've committed two evils. Number one, you've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, 
In other words, the one who can truly satisfy, the one who can quench your thirst, the one who can fill your longing for meaning and purpose and satisfaction and happiness, you've forsaken me. But then God goes on and he says, and you have hewed out cisterns, broken cisterns that hold no water. Friends, do you know what a cistern is? In the Middle East, especially in the the arid, dry desert regions of southern Israel, where it doesn't rain very often, the people, what they did is they would hew out cisterns from the rock. And a cistern is a massive hole in the ground. They would dig out these massive holes in the ground. Some of them literally are as big or bigger than this room we're in this morning. Massive cavernous holes that would collect the rainwater when the rains would come. And that cistern then would store up the water so that the people in the coming days, when it got hot and dry out again and the rain ceased, they would have a source of water to sustain them, to fill their thirst, to satisfy their longing but God says to his people you have pursued cisterns that don't hold water they're leaky cisterns and by that what he's referring to is he's not talking about their physical thirst here he's talking about their spiritual thirst this this inborn longing to know him the fountain of living waters and instead of turning their lives over to him the fountain of living waters they've been pursuing the stuff of this world thinking it's the stuff of this world whether it's relationships or money or power or you name it right they look at the stuff of this world thinking this is going to satisfy but what they discover is that all of that stuff ultimately runs dry because they're leaky things that cannot truly satisfy our deepest desires it's like the man who's addicted to pornography and he clicks on that website and he clicks on image after image after image And he scrolls through page after page after page. And he goes to website after website after website. And pretty soon, a couple of hours have gone by. And his temporary satisfaction has left him broken and guilty and despairing. Because he's gone to a leaky cistern looking to fill that hunger in his heart. It's like that woman who's addicted to shopping. And she goes to the mall every Saturday. And she thinks that if I can just get the next pair of shoes or the right pair of shoes or the right outfit or or the right outfit for this season, and if I can just get the right handbag and have a handbag that complements my other outfit, right? If I just get enough stuff and I fill my closets with enough stuff, then I'm going to be satisfied. But pretty soon her bank account has run dry and her closet is full and all of the stuff in her closet has left her with just a longing for more. Because the stuff of this world is like leaky cisterns that cannot satisfy the deepest desires of our hearts. C.S. Lewis, the great apologist, he put it like this. He says, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Yes, friends, we were made for another world. We were made by a creator God who put a hole in our hearts, eternity in our hearts, a longing for him that can only be filled in a relationship with him, walking in fidelity with him. And as long as we haven't filled that hole, we'll pursue the stuff of this world and it'll leave us longing for more.
This is why God invites us to a better way. All the way back in the Old Testament, God said to his people Israel through the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 55, God says to us this morning, he says, are you hungry this morning? If you're hungry this morning, come. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And if you have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Yes, friends, God, God wants to fill that hunger in your heart. But that hunger can ultimately only be satisfied by him. And God says, come and drink and come and eat. And I offer all of this to you freely, freely to fill your deepest longings. The second thing we need to understand about the hunger and thirst of Jesus' people today is that this is a blessed hunger and thirst. Jesus says here in Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Remember that word blessed means the smile of heaven, the approval of God. His grace has been lavished upon you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Friends, hunger is an intense desire. What time is it? It's 11.30. Some of you guys are probably feeling that intense desire right now. Yeah, you are. I know you are. I can see it. (laughs) Hunger is an intense desire. And the reality is it's one of our strongest motives. The hungry person will do almost anything to get food. I'll never forget when I was a youth pastor, I led a number of mission trips down to Central America. I remember one trip to Guatemala. We had a group of students. We were down in downtown Guatemala City, and I was inside a fast food chicken joint, El Pollo Loco, I believe it was called. Some of my students were outside eating on the outdoor dining, dining area, and all of a sudden, these, these girls walked in from the outside, and they were sobbing. They were weeping. And I said to these girls, what's wrong? What's the matter? And through their tears, they pointed out the window to outside to the trash cans where they had just thrown their food away. And here was a group of little street kids digging through the garbage, gnawing on the chicken bones that these girls had just thrown away because they were desperately hungry. Friends, that's hunger. That's desperation. And it's this kind of intense desire, this desperate hunger and thirst that Jesus is speaking of here in the fourth beatitude. But he's not talking about a a physical desperation for food and sustenance. No, he's talking about a spiritual desperation and a spiritual hunger, a spiritual thirst. He's talking about a starvation for righteousness being desperate for God and hungering for more and more conformity into his will for our lives. That's what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I want more of God and I want to look more and more like Christ in my life. And friends, if you remember over the past three weeks, we've seen here in these Beatitudes how there's sort of a spiritual progression, isn't there? Right? Jesus begins in the first beatitude. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. 
Blessed are those who recognize that they have nothing within themselves to offer to a holy, perfect, righteous God, that we have nothing to bring to the table. And Jesus says, when you understand that reality, you are blessed. And then Jesus goes on and he says, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who recognize that in their spiritual poverty and in the reality of their sin and their brokenness, when they recognize who they are in light of a holy God, they cannot do anything but mourn and grieve over the reality of their sin. And Jesus says that person is blessed. Blessed are those who mourn. And then Jesus says, we saw last week, blessed are the meek. The meek are those who have been broken over their sin. And in their brokenness, God has stripped away their self-centeredness and their selfishness and their pride. And in their humility, they are then able to love and serve others because they have no pretensions about them being any better than anybody else. And so they desire to serve in a spirit of Christ-likeness because Christ first served us. And now today we come to this fourth beatitude and Jesus continuing this progression, he, 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 he raises for us this great need, this great need that we all possess, a deep longing for what we do not have. Friends, why do you hunger? You hunger because you're lacking something, you're lacking fullness, right? And so Jesus says, we hunger. And what do we hunger for? We hunger and thirst for righteousness. A desire to be like Jesus. Because we're not. And so, Lord, I'm hungry for more of you. And again, friends, all of these postures, this is all the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can't manufacture this on our own. This is a gift of grace from God when we recognize our spiritual hunger. And we cry out to God, longing to be satisfied. Jesus is telling us here that the ones who are truly blessed, the ones who are graced with God's favor, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. In other words, friends, Jesus' people are those who know they haven't arrived Jesus' people are those who long for greater and greater victory over sin in their lives. Jesus' people are those who intensely desire to be more like their Savior and Lord. And Jesus' people are those who know that they still have such a long way to go. And Jesus says to you, blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus' people are those characterized by, by the attitude of King David who, who also understood what it was to hunger for more of God in his life. King David in Psalm 42, he says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. David says in Psalm 63, 1, he says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Friends, this is what true discipleship looks like. The genuine believer never has enough of God and his righteousness in their lives. They're always hungry. They're always longing to be satisfied. 
They want more of Jesus, and they want to look more like Jesus. And friends, this is exactly the way it should be because this is what the gospel produces in the life of a genuine follower of Jesus, a hunger, a longing for greater Christ-likeness. If I were to ask you this morning, you know, why did Jesus come to die? You know, if we were to take a survey, you might say, well, he came to die to forgive me of my sins, or he came to die to set me free from the, the lies of the enemy, or he came to give me eternal life, and all of those things would be true. But there's another reason why Jesus came to die. The Bible tells us that one of the main reasons for why he came to die was to create a people hungering after righteousness. For example, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.15, Paul says that Jesus died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. The Apostle Peter puts it like this in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree, the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Paul again in 2 Corinthians, Paul goes on, he says, for our sake he made him, God made him, Jesus, to be sin." the one who knew no sin, so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Friends, understand this morning, the passion of Christ was all about creating a people with a passion for righteousness. Christ died to rescue us from our sins so that we might no longer live for ourselves, but live holy and holy for him. That's what our salvation is about. And this then becomes the believer's great hunger. We want more. We long for more. We're desperate for more. Friends, let me ask you today. Are you hungry? Are you hungry right now? Do you long to be like Jesus? Do you recognize how incredibly far you still have to go. And are you desperate for God's gracious provision of ongoing conformity into the likeness of his son? If so, friends, God says you are blessed. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The third thing we need to recognize this morning about this great beatitude is that the hunger and thirst of Jesus' people, it's not, just a, it's not just a basic hunger, not just a blessed hunger, it's also a burgeoning hunger and thirst. And by burgeoning, what I mean is that this is a growing, ever-increasing hunger and thirst. In fact, the, the, the language here could literally be translated. When Jesus says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, it's a present tense in the sense of it could literally be translated, those who are hungering and those who are thirsting for righteousness. In other words, that hunger and that thirst doesn't go away. It just increases. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, this is kind of a paradox, isn't it, Jason? And it is. It's like some of the other Beatitudes we've already seen. Jesus gives us these paradoxical statements to grab our attention. And so Jesus says those who hunger are satisfied. But here's the question. How can we be hungry and satisfied at the same time? 
Or how can we be satisfied and still hungry? Jesus says we're full, but we're empty, right? We're content, but we long for more. What's going on here? Well, let me tell you about the candied walnuts my mother-in-law makes. (laughs) Grandma Bonnie. Whenever we go to Grandma Bonnie's house for Christmas, my mother-in-law, she makes these awesome, oh, they're so good, these candied walnuts. I'm I'm not quite sure how she makes them. I think she like rolls them in butter and then covers them in sugar and cinnamon. I mean, they're just ridiculously good. And she only makes them at Christmas time. And so we go to their house for Christmas and, you know, you're sitting around watching TV, watching movies, and I'm sitting in my lounge chair there at my mother-in-law's house. And pretty soon I'm over here on the side of the end table and I'm picking through this, this this uh, bowl of candied walnuts. And like a half hour goes by and pretty soon like the candied walnuts are all gone because they're so good. I just want to keep eating them. And so I take the bowl and I go back to the kitchen and I go to the main container and I fill the bowl with more candied walnuts and I go back to my chair and I start eating these candied walnuts and I can't stop. They're so good. They satisfy my hunger, but the more I eat, the more I want. That is what Jesus is talking about. When he says, blessed are those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, they will be satisfied. You see, here's the reality. Just like I have this craving for these candied walnuts, what Jesus is talking about here is a spiritual cycle that takes place in the lives of his people. And here's how it works. We get a taste of Jesus And we come to see and taste how good he truly is. And we come to recognize that what Jesus offers and the satisfaction that he provides is so much better than anything in this world that that even though we're satisfied in that moment in Jesus, we just want more of him. And we long for more of him. But like every bite we take of Jesus, every experience with Jesus, all of our growth in Jesus, it satisfies, but it only leaves us hungering for more of him. Because he's just so good. We're satisfied, but we're still hungry. The Apostle Paul, he describes this reality like this in Philippians chapter 3. He says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Friends, what is Paul saying here? Paul saying, I have come to know Jesus, and Jesus is so much better than everything in this world that I gave up for the sake of following him. I count it all rubbish for the incredible, surpassing joy and satisfaction that I have found in Jesus. There is nothing better. 
But then Paul goes on and he says, but the more I come to know Jesus, the more I want of Jesus. And the more I long to be like Jesus. And his whole motivation in life, even though he already has Jesus, is to get more of him and to grow more and more into his image. And so Paul says, look, I forget everything that's behind and I'm straining ahead. I'm pressing on for the prize. I just want to grow more and more into the image of my Savior and Lord. That, friends, is what Jesus is talking about. The hunger that leads to satisfaction, the satisfaction that leads us to greater hunger. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he describes it like this. He says, the Christian is one who at one and the same time is hungering and thirsting, and yet he is filled. And the more he is filled, the more he hungers and thirsts. That is the blessedness of the Christian life. It goes on. And I would add, it goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on. Because the more of Jesus we get, the hungrier we are for even more of him. Yes, friends, the Christian is a man or woman who's found ultimate satisfaction in a relationship with Jesus Christ. They know the reality of promises like John 4, 14, where Jesus says, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The man or woman who's found satisfaction in Jesus knows promises like John 6, 35, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The man or woman who believes in Jesus has come to experience promises like Psalm 107, verse 9. God satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. And friends, when we experience these promises, we come to see that there is no greater pleasure or source of satisfaction in this world than living for Jesus. Let me ask you this morning, friends, are these promises true for you today? Are you hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Do you know the satisfaction that's found in a relationship with God. If not, you can, friends. You can, but it's only possible through being desperate for more of Jesus. It's only possible by surrendering your heart to Jesus and letting him come in and satisfy the longings in your heart, longings that only he can fill. Jesus says in Revelations 3.20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Friends, Jesus wants to provide for you today a bountiful feast of abundant life. He wants to lavish you with incredible dishes like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. He wants to just throw out this smorgasbord for you. And he wants you to be satisfied like you've never been satisfied before, knowing the fullness of life that is found in him. But again, friends, you need to open your heart and you need to let him in. Let's close in a word of prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we just pray today that you 
would give us a desperate hungering for more of you. That you would give us a longing for more of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. That you would give us an intense burden to be filled with the filling that only you can provide. The righteousness that you desire for each of us to long to look like Christ and know Christ and follow Christ. As Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Jesus, help us to hunger more and more after you. We need you, Lord. You are the only one who can satisfy the desires of our hearts. And Jesus, if there's anybody here this morning who's never opened their heart to you, you are here today, Jesus. You are knocking on the door of their heart. You are saying, open that door and let me in and let me lavish you with a bountiful feast of abundant life. And friends, if you're here today and you've never invited Jesus to come and take possession of your heart and walk in newness of life with him, I pray that even right now, you might just, in humility, surrender yourself to Jesus and say, Jesus, I know I need you. Jesus, I want you to come and take up residence in my heart. I want to trust you today, Jesus, as my Savior and Lord. I hunger and I thirst for your righteousness. And friends, Jesus says you will be satisfied. Jesus, we need you. We love you. We thank you for your amazing grace. Amen.